Today, an extremely informative conversation with the respected and revered industry consultant, Dr. Neville Spear, as we cover an array of subjects from the current cattle market to why the delay in heifer retention. Is that heifer or that cow that we purchase, is she a cash trap? I want to make sure that we kind of get the all clear before and start rebuilding. <laughs> and he'll reinforce a perspective that's been echoed many times from other guests on this show. I would hope most producers that are pretty business-minded They've learned their lesson, especially through the financial crisis. We gotta have working capital, and especially when interest rates are high. And his thoughts on what will shape our industry in years to come. And it's not vertical integration, it's just coordination. Oh man, these are just a few of the topics we're gonna cover today. So pour a fresh cup of strong black coffee and settle in on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. And this is the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. We're glad to have you tuned in and joining us for our program today. I'm just going to mention it right off the bat that if you hear something today and you want to go back and listen to it again and you're listening through the radio, it's pretty simple. You can go to any podcast provider out there and you can download the show or you can go directly to our podcast site at workingranchradio.com. For those of you that uh, use Spotify, how many of you got that little email this week that said, here's your year-end review? view of what you listen to and it gives you all your favorite artists and the music that you listen to and also it even showed you maybe what podcast you listen to how about you send me a screenshot that working ranch radio showed up on your spotify rap now isn't that kind of interesting that's something my kids had to show me to be honest with you i didn't know what that was right off the bat but i went into my spotify and can you guess yeah it was ronnie Millsap was my top artist that i listened to over the year of 2023 partly because that was the only album or songs that i had downloaded on my phone and so when i would get into dead spot areas and i wanted to listen to something I would kick that on. So Smoky Mountain Rain by Ronnie Millsap, that was the most listened to song for me. But I digress a little bit as we talk about our show this week. Real quick, before we jump into our interview, stay tuned through the program. The Captain Tim O'Byrne will be by later on with this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. And meteorologist Don Day will be in as we take a look at our long-term weather. Well, Dr. Neville Spear is our guest here today joining us on the Working Ranch Radio Show. He's an industry consultant, and uh, I'll tell you what, he's written about a lot of different things that are impactful for our industry. I always appreciate his view on things. He is joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. And Dr. Spear, thanks for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Uh, Justin, thank you. It's an honor to be with you. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm looking forward to having a visit with you. We've got a lot of things to talk about, a lot of things that you're very aware of and known from an industry standpoint that we can look at and really just fill us in. Give us an update on where you see things happening, because first and foremost, as we talked about before, as we were setting up our conversation here today, things are changing in the industry here in the ranching industry. and, And that's something that you're very keen on. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the things that's really interesting about this year uh, that's probably a little bit surprising is, you know, we continue to kind of dig into the cow herd. Um, we we knew it was kind of tentative as as we went into 2023, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, we, drought conditions persist and, and uh, hay was short, interest rates are volatile, 
But boy, we've dug into the cow herd pretty hard. And actually, I just put together, you know, October data, um, all of that lags two weeks coming from USDA. But, you know, we've already sold off 10 percent of the cows in the United States, probably going to do another 2 percent through November and December. And that typically means you kind of go through all the math. That means we're probably down another two and a half to three percent. And that puts us just in pretty close to starting 2024 at, you know, 28.1, 28.2 million cows. And I think that's probably two to three hundred thousand head shorter than where we might thought we'd end up. And mm-hmm. so, you know, supplies are are tight. Yeah. going forward right it's a it's it's a long run here yeah, yeah. neville I, as you talked about that you identified some things that might be holding back this herd growth that we thought might be starting to happen by now but is not uh one of those of course a couple of those things would be drought that the southern plains had this last year of course we see interest rates that's affecting everybody in the industry but is there anything else i feel to me and maybe it's because i focused on it on some of our shows here on our program of just folks being cautious the 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 prices are coming up that's great but be cautious as you move forward here with how you spend those extra proceeds do you think there's anything else that's psychologically or or fundamentally holding some of this growth back and and folks uh, wanting to really keep things and and build back their herds well, you know, it's interesting to me, and I think it's a great point. There's there's just so much uncertainty surrounding the economy in general. I don't care where you go, right? It's it's been interest rates, and you know, are we yeah. are we going to have inflation? Are we going to have a recession? And and it's it's just been kind of dark, and and it's been a pretty long two year grind here. Is what I what I would call the great reset as we go through interest rate reset, and and I think that plays on everyone's psyche, regardless of who you are, right? All kinds of businesses they're not you know not investing because it's uncertain, and I think that that plays into producer mentality. But I'll tell you, I think the biggest thing, regardless of business. It's just ultimately it comes down to grass and hay Mm -hmm. and you want a little bit of a buffer before you say, you know what, we're going to start keeping more cows and more heifers. And, you know, if you kind of look back, most of the times we get into big sell offs, it's because of weather. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we're starting to now see some bred cow prices uh, uh, in our neck of the woods up here. I'm up in the northern northeastern Wyoming and some of the sale barns, some of the uh, purebred registered outfits are now having getting some cattle moving across. You know, there's always that hold period from when calves sell in the summer and fall. And then there's kind of a dead spot in there. Now we're starting to see some of these bred cows moving across the auction block a little bit. Bred heifers, for example, thirty five hundred dollars. Is there... I mean, that in itself, uh, is there any concern with with some of that as far as guys looking at that and saying, boy, I don't know, I've never paid that much for a cow in my life? Yeah, I think there's that is part of it. And, uh, you, you know, in, in either way, right, is it I'm, I'm going to buy that bread heifer and or we can look at it the other way, too, Justin, is, boy, that heifer is worth a lot of money, you know, being sold as a feeder animal. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, you know, however you yeah. want to look at it, we've kind of had to readjust here. And boy, it's been a pretty fast run mm-hmm. in terms of 
like total dollar values. And I, and, and I get it. Um, you can think about kind of your, your margins and all of that, but I don't think people really think of it generally that way. It's just, there's a lot of money on the table. And, and, and by the way, I think one of the uncertainties in this is, and I used, I wrote about this, you, you know, kind of last big cycle is, is that heifer or that cow that we purchase, is she a cash trap, right? Yeah. Am I going to get stuck? Because I want to make sure that we kind of get the all clear before I really <laughs> dig in and start rebuilding. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. You know, you brought up a really good point there. And that is the fact that these market animals are such so high value too, that that really is really, I probably putting as much pressure as anything is, is like, why would I keep these heifers back to grow them out and make a replacement when we're getting 16, $1,800 right now as a, you know, five to 600 pound cat that really these these market prices on these feeder calves really are pushing the point of of selling off even more no no question right i mean the, what the market's doing is creating an incentive to sell heifers and or coal cows and it it also looks a little different when you've got that kind of goody uh against a i don't know an eight and a half or nine percent operating note right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah, uh, let's let's do it. Let's let's build some cash reserves. And I, I like to think I would hope most producers that are pretty business minded, they've learned their lesson, especially through the financial crisis. Mm-hmm. We've got to have working capital because and especially when interest rates are high, we don't want to get stuck without, you know, not enough cash on hand to kind of maintain the business. And whether that's the pickup dies, I've got to go replace it. And by the way, that costs a lot more than it yeah. used to. Yeah. Right. You know, you don't just go buy a $40,000 pickup anymore. No. And um, I need some working capital for those kinds of emergencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So in our business climate that we see forward and, and we're going to talk later on, I think uh, as well, I want to, I want to have you kind of give us some projections ahead for 2024. I've got some questions for that, but as we tell yeah. out this year with, with our markets, it is considerably different. I mean, it's, it's the, the prices are high, which a lot of folks had forecasted that, but the picture does look quite a bit different than what we assumed. I thought we, you know, I think for a lot of us, we thought this industry would, uh, from a number standpoint, would look a little bit different. The cattle on feed report that came out the end of October really kind of rocked the, the markets for a little bit. As we tell out this month, where do you see these markets kind of heading? Yeah, I, th- I think um, it's a really interesting thing, right? There's been lots of discussion around this cattle on feed report. And, and I, I think two things were really important in that is, is one, placements were up in every category. And we also saw that heifers are at almost record high in terms of on feed numbers. And, and it, it tells me that there's still a lot of pressure out there in terms of feed resources. So we're pulling forward feeder cattle. We're pulling heifers we're, we don't quite have the grass buffer that we need out there. Um, and, and clearly, I mean, the markets responded to that in short term, it's been bearish and it's been tough. And boy, we can talk about that all day long in terms of <laughs> market volatility. But it also in on the other side of that is kind of long term. It's it sets us up even for tighter supplies. And once we kind of work through this set of cattle on feed, 
we could be really looking at some tight numbers next year. Yeah. Folks, my guest today is Dr. Neville Spear. He's an industry consultant, uh, just a jack of all trades when it comes to knowing what's going on in the industry. We appreciate him joining us. We're going to continue on with him as we talk about more of some of the topics here within our cattle and ranching industry when we return here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. There are lots of nutrition tubs out there, but none can match the true blue commitment of Vitalix. Our tubs offer you the most concentrated nutrition at the lowest cost per day. That means more profit for your operation and improved performance for your cow herd. In fact, research shows Vitalix tubs increase feed efficiency by 20% while boosting conception rates, herd health, and weaning weights. Learn more at Vitalix.com. Vitalix, the true blue tub. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest today, Dr. Neville Spear, industry consultant. Uh, appreciate him joining us on our program here today. If you didn't catch the first segment, I encourage you to go back and listen to that as we talked about just where we're seeing uh, in the industry right now in terms of numbers and and uh, the, how we continue to see the shrinkage of our herd population and at some point you know we know that's that's going to have to turn around but some good discussion on that neville as we talked a little bit about that we did talk about the market specifically the october cattle on feed report kind of shook the industry and i think that also it kind of shook me a little bit because you know we kept seeing this market just go up and up and up through the summertime on these calves even to even date it back to last last winter and then this one report comes out and boy we just see things kind of just rumble a little bit that concerned me and i think the concern really just in general that folks would have is the volatility that we could potentially see in our market explain what you're seeing in that yeah it's a it's a great point right market volatility is always really tough and by the way we never talk about volatility on the way up right <laughs> yeah. it's always yeah. the market's always, always volatile <laughs> when it's on the way down yeah, and, exactly and, uh, yeah uh we we forget about kind of what's happened maybe r- really since uh the pandemic i mean i mean we have come through just an incredible run of higher prices and all of a sudden we've probably, you know, we've at least at the, on the board, we've knocked $20 off fed yeah. cattle just, just that fast. And it's, it's really a good reminder um, how fast markets can move. And we kind of get lulled into complacency. And it's one of the things that I have talked to producers about every time I go out and do a meeting is do not get lulled into complacency. And that's very hard to do, right? We mm-hmm. we all have recency bias. Prices have gone up. They're getting better. They continue to get better and better. And we are, we're hearing tighter supplies and this is a, can go on forever. Well, all of a sudden we get a cattle on feed report where we have on feed numbers that are ahead of last year. That's the first time we've seen that. And, yeah. and so, you know, markets react to that very quickly. And and um, I think, you know, it's it's not a black swan event, but it does. It's a good reminder of how tough this business can be. And I like the quote that says things that have never happened happen all the time. We've got to be prepared for those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. You know, the thought that came through my head when I saw that, and, and of course, from the country side of things, for guys like me that are just out here and we're getting fall work done and, and we've pregged and we're getting ready to ship calves, 
you know, from a from our side of things, we're saying, well, you know, some of these these guys, whether it's the guys trading on the Chicago boards or whatever else, they're going to take anything they can and use it as a way to kind of push these prices down. That's the rancher side of it. OK, now I know there's some fundamental side of that as well. But one of the things that I guess I looked at is we had seen that really this market had just gone up and up and up since last year. And right. to me, it's almost like if you've ever fought fire or in a building fire, you know that at some point that fire will burn and then pretty soon it stops and it kind of has to take a breath and then we go again. Felt to me is, I guess I'm trying to put some optimism in that. Is that what we saw? Oh, yeah. I think part of that is right. No, markets never go up forever. They never go down forever. Right. And and we're we're kind of taking a breath here. Everybody's kind of reassessing where are we in terms of inventory and numbers. And and uh, by the by the way, there's there's lots of pressure too. I mean, we talked about this in the first segment. You you know, kind of the darkness and the talk around the economy. What's the consumer going to do? And so, anytime you start getting things stretched, you, any excuse to kind of pull back. Mm-hmm. That's what markets inherently do. And I think we all recognize that. We all know that. We know that in our head, that's different than how it feels, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> and anytime we take money out of the business, that's a lot more painful than what we remember about the good times of it going up. And, and um, you know, we, we all kind of intuitively know that, too. On the other side, when we buy feed, we know that feed costs move around and they can be extremely volatile. And we've we've come through an era of, of really high feed costs and they're starting to moderate. And so we just kind of need to remind ourselves of all of that through this. Yeah. As you talk about feed costs, uh, the cost for, for folks that, you know, from a hay standpoint has, has went up other feed costs, other input costs come up. Let's talk a little bit about supply changes and your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, clearly, I mean, we, it looks like uh, we, we've had a, you know, it's really interesting. We've had a really good corn crop, mm-hmm. right? And, and everybody you talk to about that is, boy, it's been a lot better than we thought it would be. And um, I, I think it's one of the marvels of modern agriculture. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's amazing what we can put these plants through and and we still get pretty good yields. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I think we're probably, you know, we don't have a good record yet from USDA, but we're going to rebuild the hay supply. And so feed costs, um, they they should give us some some buffer here as we go forward and, and you know give us a little bit more room for margin than versus what we had last year. Yeah, yeah. you know, and that's what I'm seeing too, Neville. Is I price out, you know, I start in about August or so, start looking at protein costs for what I can do. We we try to winter as much as we can on grass, but this is the first year where I've seen things kind of stabilize a little bit instead of just yeah. instead of the increase increase. Whether you want to look at high quality hay or you want to look at uh, different types of proteins, the first year in probably two or three years where I've seen prices actually stabilize and then maybe even come down a couple dollars. Boy, that's a, and, and Justin, that's just an, a fantastic point of what you just said. It's really, it's not the absolute price. It's it's the year over year change. And finally this year, okay, it, things have stabilized, right? Range cubes are less mm-hmm. or about the same as they were last year. And and that's, that's really what happens when we start to kind of get some buffer in here. And maybe, you know, even today we're seeing some, kind of moderation in in inflation, right? Prices start to slow down. The the increase in prices start to slow down. That's when I think everyone starts to take a breath 
And then really back to our first segment, think about rebuilding the cow herd. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're starting to maybe get kind of, okay, the all clear. I feel like I can control some of the external factors or at least, you know, ride with them a little bit better than I could. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And I and I would say too, Neville. What I, I guess not as we are talking here about feed costs. I I feel that just industry input as a whole, or or cost. Maybe it's everything from. And I don't buy tractors, and I definitely don't buy a pickup every year. So I don't know what what that is. But to me, I just feel like from an economic standpoint that some of our input costs have leveled a bit. Yeah. That's what I feel. Is that what you're seeing as well? No, no question. And we're seeing that not only on the consumer side, but re- really on the, you, you know, if you want to talk about kind of the industrial side, yes, things are starting to level off or the, the, we're not getting those huge year over year increases. And, you know, like one of the big ones is fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we'd sure like to get interest rates down, but I think everyone's starting to understand, you know, this is going to probably be higher for longer. Mm-hmm but at least we're flattening out. Um, So now I can start to kind of plan in a meaningful way. Uh, But by the way, you mentioned the big one that's just incredible and and really makes this business challenging is the change in equipment prices over the last four or five years. I mean, and it's, you know, it's nothing to go to a tractor dealer and all of a sudden you've spent $150,000 on, uh, a tractor that's really not that big. <laughs> yeah, that's a 40 horse tractor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? I mean, you start pricing out a 100 horsepower four wheel drive tractor with a loader and you know, you're yeah. you're in a pretty big chunk of cash all of a sudden. Yeah. And and that I think that's uh, the equipment costs alone I think are very interesting in terms of what we may see in terms of some restructuring in our business. It takes a lot more cows to pay for that tractor yeah, or that pickup than it used to. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, Justin, one other thing I think is important here is we have this discussion about higher costs and decision making that often we overlook is the cost of health insurance. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, and, and right. It's you know, it's not unusual to get eight or nine or 10 percent price increases year over year, and it may cover less and. Well, that affects some of your decision making in terms of what you're going to do going forward. Mm -hmm. You know, on another side note to that, I don't want to get totally off of industry issues, but when we talk about industry as a whole, and as you bring up health insurance, something that I've noticed in rural areas is the absence or not having emergency care. Uh, whether it's ambulance and various things like that. In fact, in our own little rural community here, there's a lot of times they're calling in a life flight if something happens to somebody. And that's something that now we're looking at like, boy, do we need to have, you know, life flight insurance of some sort? Because that's a whole other thing when we start dealing with rural communities. Yes. And and really could uh, impact your assets and your business long-term, yeah. right? If you're not prepared for those kinds of things. For sure. Yeah. Dr. Neville Spears, my guest today, industry consultant. We still have a lot to talk about with him. We're going to be talking about what he perceives to happen in 2024 and what some of the dynamics of the market will look like and the industry will look like as we head into 2024. Already, we know 2023 isn't necessarily ending exactly like we thought it was. Not that it's bad, it's just different. And so we're going to talk with what he perceives what 2024 is going to look like when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. 
You know, big cows come with big feed bills, which is why smart genetic selection can pay off in your cow herd. Did you know Simmental-influenced cows are an average 74 pounds lighter at maturity than Angus-sired counterparts, according to a recent U.S. Meat Animal Research Center study? Now, while Simmental is sized for more efficient gains, 20-year genetic trend lines also show the breed offers reliable calving ease, early growth, and cow longevity. That's a balanced herd built for profit. Sim Genetics, giving you more per head, period. Stand strong. Simmental. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest today is Dr. Neville Spear. And Neville, we have had some great discussion already. Previous segment, we were talking about the fact that we're starting to see maybe a little bit more specialization in the industry. Maybe there's some specialization we need to be doing specifically inside work. Yeah, it's it's really one of the interesting dynamics, Justin. And anytime I go work with producers, we're all drawn to do things outside and it's, it's very uh, constructive and we, you know, it's easy to see that we're getting something done and that's, and, and ultimately right. Working harder means we're making more money, <laughs> yeah. but oftentimes I encourage producers that, you, you know, really you need to spend more time inside Mm-hmm. And they all kind of cringe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I said, I know you hate sitting in front of this computer, but you especially like I always remind them Shark Tank, right? Yeah. You need to know your numbers. You need to really understand what's going on in your business. And by the way, Justin, as, as we were talking earlier about interest rates, most everybody, right? You're going to have to go to see your banker renegotiate your operating note, redo it, or some kind of, you're going to have some conversation and you want your banker to have confidence in you and, and what you're, you know about your business. And if you're kind of dancing around your numbers and you don't really know your costs and you don't know where the money's kind of leaking out, well, you get, you get caught. And um, so that's why part of this specialization that, it, that we talk about, I think is is really important because it frees up time, not only to do the things that really matter. And I'm not saying like, for example, putting up a matters, but maybe somebody else can do it better or more efficiently or cheaper than you. But it then also allows you to really focus on the business and not necessarily in the business. Well, it's interesting you say that, Neville, because you just echoed exactly some conversations that we have had with other with other folks about the fact that we need to know our numbers. We need to know that as we're finishing out this year and then setting projections for 2024, as you had mentioned there too, interest rates at 10%. Maybe there's a point to where we start operating on some cash we got, the cash extra cash that we got this year from calves versus just starting up that line of credit again. So really that point of, you know, working on the business side of things, that's going to probably pay as much as anything. And it's going to pay off in the long run this in this next year as much as anything. Not that it doesn't on given years. And and it and, and Justin, it's it's also not just financial, but it's emotional. Because if we don't really understand kind of where our money's going and how we're probably going to cash flow. And, and generally, if you go into any operation, the cash flow patterns are pretty repeatable year after year. Okay, so what's the time of year that we really get tight? Where do we need some extra working capital? 
during that time of year in case something on the tractor breaks and all of a sudden I've got a $10,000 bill and I can't pay it. And I've already used up all my operating note. Those, those kinds of things are, and I I can't pay a vendor. I've just ordered a bunch of feed and I can't pay, right, the feed store. The, I, I will get to be able to, but I can't today. Those things are stressful. Yeah. And then we start not making as good decisions elsewhere. And, um, you know, it's just really important to kind of make that time to invest and understand where these dollars flow and when they flow. Yeah. yeah. As a consultant yourself, and, and some of this that you were just talking about is identifying some of the concerns or issues I'm sure that you see as you deal with different producers. As we look at just with the fundamentals of what we're looking at, anything else that just comes to your mind from a consultant standpoint that you're saying, you know, just be thinking or doing this. Well, I've mentioned it several times, but it really comes back to working capital. It, it is do you have some extra money in your back pocket, uh, right? You, you know, Dave Ramsey always talks yeah. about to consumers, right? That, you know, the Murphy rule, right? Murphy's going to move in. Something <laughs> bad's going to happen, right? Something's going to break. And um, you just don't want to live on the edge. You want to be able to yeah. pay for that. And let's just keep our business going. And and um, I, I think, you know, as, and as we talk about this is, costs have risen the value of cattle a lot of times justin we forget we're working with these are big dollars that we're talking about yeah even a smaller cow calf business those are some real dollars all of a sudden and it really does matter Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. absolutely that's a good point all right now let's switch gears just a little bit and let's talk about consumers we've talked about what we have already starting to see in the in the our business changing and in all the years we can back clear up to COVID and see where that was an instigator in some of this to now what we're seeing today just a lot of different things from a business side of us as ranchers let's talk about the consumer because things have changed for the consumer in the last two to three years as well yeah, it's it's a, so I just want to start off by saying, right, we need to always remind ourselves uh, and, and sometimes producers cringe when I say this, but we're really not in the cattle business. We are in the consumer business, right? Mm-hmm. We we make we ultimately are creating a consumable good. And um, if we don't understand what is going on with consumers, we get we get left behind in that. And, and so and, and we work in a very competitive market. Yeah. Protein market is is super competitive. And um, one of the things I, I always like to remind people about is uh, you, if you go into a convenience store today, uh, there is never a shortage of yogurt and or, you, you know, like protein drinks. Mm-hmm. And uh, those can substitute and they do very easily for a, a roast beef sandwich or what have you. Right. So sometimes your competition isn't even what you typically expect. Mm-hmm. But it's really amazing, Justin, for as tight and difficult and, you know, as we talked about earlier kind of dark all of this discussion around the economy has been boy consumers have held in there really well yeah and um spending has been pretty solid on the beef side and and you know especially at the top end of the market right we we see a choice select spread it's still 28 30 dollars and it's hung in there all year and we were really concerned about how consumers would back away, but we continue to have pricing power in this business. And, and um, I think that really 
underscores the importance of all the work we've done in the last 20, 25 years in terms of consistency and quality and consumers really like to eat beef. Mm -hmm. It's a good product. Yeah. Real quick, I want to touch on this before we head to break, and that is plant-based proteins. You had mentioned a little bit ago that not always are we in competition with just a meat product, but this has floundered, for lack of better words, but really hasn't taken off as much as they had expected. Where do you see that going? I mean, is it going to catch some traction at some point or is it kind of just going to have a struggling from here on out? I see it as a dead business. Really? Completely. Yeah. It's uh it's one of the things I've written about in the past, and, and there were some early indications they're struggling, but it is it is just not a viable business model. And if you look at the amount of dollars that yeah. have gotten invested Oof. there, it, it just has not taken off and cons- it just doesn't resonate with consumers at all. Now, I get it. There's a small section of consumers, but it, we are a long ways from plant-based protein ever being real competition for the beef industry. Hmm. Now, don't never say never, yeah. right? You <laughs> always got to be looking over your shoulder at, at the competition. And But boy, it's going to be really hard to attract a new wave of investment money into that business after what's happened in the last five years. Well, and I think on top of that too, Neville, is I feel like our industry has sure made really good strides in telling our story as being environmentally positive that have a tendency to play into the minds of the similarities of plant-based meat folks and that sort of a thing that we've told our story to where people say, well, yeah, these guys are doing great work environmentally as well. Yeah, it, that's exactly right, Justin. And I think that's really important, right? It, our product has to taste good. It has to be consistent and increasingly, right? Mm-hmm. Much more so than it was 10 years ago. We have to tell our story. Yeah. And, yeah. and we are we are making great progress in terms of telling our story. Yeah, for sure. My guest today, Dr. Neville Spear, consultant. We're going to have one more segment back with him. And with that, we've been saving this up because I, I went, really wanted to get into this is just kind of set the stage for 2024. We've set that. We've talked a little bit about some things that we're seeing right now. But as we look ahead for 2024, what does he think that's going to look like? We're going to talk about it when we return here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Welcome back. This is the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest today is Dr. Neville Spear, industry consultant. And Neville, we've had great discussion about a lot of different things that we're seeing currently here in our market and what has brought us up to this point. Now let's begin to look ahead for 2024. We already anticipate the what the market's sort of going to look like. But as, as you look ahead, what do you think are going to be some major factors that are going to paint the picture for 2024. Well, Justin, what I see coming is really an increasing emphasis on what I would call supply chain coordination, what have you, as numbers get tighter. And as we talked about earlier, right, that consumers continue to want beef and they're willing to pay for it. You have entities all along there that want to ensure they have the right cattle to produce the right kind of beef to sell to the mm-hmm. right customers, which ultimately says to me that we are, you know, moving to more of this, that kind of a coordinated system. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but um, there's certainly 
some movement afoot in our business that's doing that kind of quietly and behind the scenes. And um, they just want to make sure that, right, we don't have stockouts. And and so ultimately I see that you're going to have players in this business that kind of line up cattle and you may participate in the business. And I think it, it begins to segregate the commodity minded people versus value added sure. entities that are in, in the industry. Yeah. You've really started, if you look back in hindsight, you've really started to see that formulate over the last couple of three years, haven't you? Yeah, you really have. And, and one of the things that I think is probably driving that or accelerating some of that is really the beef on dairy um, mm-hmm. possibilities, right? Because all of a sudden feed yards are starting to understand, hey, I've got a consistent supply. Mm-hmm. That supply will never replace all of the native cattle. And it's, it will never be intended to, but boy, I can get, I can line up like kinds of animals in a very consistent supply. That's, you know, continuous year round. Um, Interesting enough, those cattle are kind (laughs) of, as one nutritionist explained to me, right. They're extended stay cattle. They stay in the (laughs) feed yard a long time, but, and then they're very consistent coming out of the packing house. And and so they make a, a consistent product. And so, Hey, let's take kind of some of those concepts and let's start to work in the, in native side and the, in, in the beef side and start lining up cow herds to do the same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Then the key word that you mentioned there, and I've thought about this for many, many years, and I think it can start from the producer side of things. And that is consistency. I think that's a big deal. Yes. And they, they need to be consistent genetics and then they need to be some consistency about management. Now, the challenge in that, right, is that, boy, I might give up some of my independence. Yeah. And I might not be able to just be anonymous and, and do whatever I want to do. But I think there's real value uh, on the other side of that. You know, you start creating critical mass. And by the way, when you start working with other producers, as as hard as that is, right? Because <laughs> you got to get through the people problems, but there's <laughs> there's opportunity. And I, I I look at kind of what my wife's family has done, and and they run on a on a pool in a on a permit, mm-hmm. and they decided a long time ago they were going to start marketing cattle together, and they do on video sales, and they've done very well. And and sure, sometimes there's issues inside of that, and you know people inherently are going to have some disagreement, but over the long run, I think they would all say, yeah, it's been worth it. We've generated more money. And and really what they've done is they've set themselves up for even further opportunities, right? Because they have kind of light cattle and they're managing them the same. And there's some real added value there. Yeah. Well, now that you're kind of knocking on the door of a big paradigm shift is to give up independence, using the phrase giving up independence. <laughs> That's right. I know. I know. But boy, when you start talking about real dollars. Yeah. Um, that's, that's where we're headed. Yeah. yeah. And, and by the way, though, Justin, I don't think that's going to happen everywhere and it's, and it's not vertical integration. It's just coordination, right? Yeah. 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 You know, I hadn't really thought about it that way. Coordination versus ver- vertical integration. Cause I think people get real nervous when we start sure. talking vertical integration. However, some of the same people that I've heard nervous about vertical integration are also selling in a branded beef program. That's closer than what I'm doing. <laughs> right. Right. You, you know, and what's interesting in all of this is, is uh, 
Right. Right. You start talking about these kinds of things and well, the, the Packers going to own them all. No, that's not the case. It's, it's really more of a coordinated system and building supplies of like kinds of cattle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a good point. I, I like that. I want to touch real quick on this. And because it's something I've had at conversations with other people about, and I know you're in the industry enough to know since COVID happened and a lot of different federal monies or various things have happened. And I wouldn't say they're all being happened because of federal monies, but there's just been a real push to start up some smaller, uh, you know, medium sized processing facilities, maybe down to smaller size facilities. Those have not quite come online or a few of them are starting to come online. What do you see is happening as far as the changes that we've seen? Because there's a big difference in our industry than there was three years ago when when they all got together and said, yeah, we're going to start these processing facilities. And it takes two or three years for that to happen. Now some of this stuff's going to start coming online, but our industry looks a little bit different. What do you see in, in some of those? Yeah, so so there's kind of two parts to that, Justin, right? There's There's some newer, very small plants, which I would call kind of niche and mm-hmm. I would say kind of local, right? Yep. Um, and, and some of those are doing really, some of those have been in existence. Some of those are coming. They they can do very, very well. There's challenges there. Obviously, like any business, they've got to make sure they have supply too, but they typically tend to get very committed customers and that mm-hmm. hang with them. And, and it'll be interesting to see kind of how those play out. Um, but then also, you know, to your point is, gosh, there's some new kind of larger plants yeah. coming, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, we've got the one in North Platte and then discussion about Amarillo and then American Foods and St. Louis, and they're all going to be chasing cattle <laughs> and we're in tight supplies. And it's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out. I don't know what that looks like, right? But ultimately, it's going to be who who probably has access to capital and can survive all of that because it's going to get really tough <laughs> to keep some of those going. I mean, some of these larger packing plants are having trouble now, right? And, yeah. and and so that's where we start chasing cattle pretty hard. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's been the thought through my head is a lot of things have changed since then. Um, and so how are some of those med- medium sized facilities, medium to large size facilities going to going to manage going forward? Because doggone, I, I hate to see them go, go by the wayside because there was, there's at some point going to be a need for those. I would think um, when, when some, some, some of the dynamics change in our industry. Yeah. And, and, and remember that a lot of the plants that are in existence, let's say, pre-COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Pre-huge packing margins. Some of those plants are pretty old. So do some of these companies shutter those or do something else with them? And again, this really, I think, underscores the discussion of what we just had is we need to kind of get some assurance that we're going to get cattle into those plants. They're the right kind of cattle. And ultimately, we want to add a lot of value in the end product coming out of there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out and who's the most successful in doing that, because that's that's going to be the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Neville, I sure have appreciated our conversation here today. A lot of great things that we've talked about. Sure, you have given me a lot to think about as well. But before we go, I just want to give you some final thoughts and comments as we find ourselves as ranchers ending 2023 and looking ahead to 2024. Well, I, I think regardless of it, Anything and everything, we we will continue to see change in this business. And and I know that's kind of a sounds kind of <laughs> tired, right? <laughs> yeah. But change really is the only constant in every business. And and 
as especially as we we as we talked about earlier, we get into these higher dollar values. There's more capital at risk. That's going to accelerate all of this, and, and it it is decreasingly a commodity business, and and um, that brings some of its own challenges. But it on the other side of that, it's also a really exciting time. I mean, this industry has huge amounts of potential, and I'm excited that young people are coming back mm-hmm. to this. I when I go do meetings and I see twenty year olds there that tells me that there's there is some margin in this business and and young people are excited about coming back into it yep and that warrants a whole nother show to have a discussion with you on that because that that is something that i think is great to see as well start to see some of these that are, are coming back and are probably a little more receptive uh, to some newer ideas that you threw out there things like coordination with other producers i think they're probably a little more receptive to that huh I, I couldn't agree more. And 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 really what happens is that begins to snowball yeah. and they'll drive some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, Neville, I appreciate you taking the time here today to visit with us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Uh, Justin, fantastic. Thank you very much. Enjoyed myself immensely. Thank you. And again, my guest today, Dr. Neville Spear. I appreciate his, our conversation with him. Uh, he is a consultant and really one of the industry's foremost writers on various different topics that we as ranchers deal with on a day-to-day basis. Always appreciate his insight uh, that he brings to any issue that's out there. As you can tell here today, we did cover an awful lot of different topics and just one of those kinds of, of talks that you just can listen to and walk away with a lot of different things rolling and round in your head and I hope truly help you as you prepare for 2024. Well, stay with us when we come back. The Captain Tim O'Burn will be stopping in for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents and meteorologist Don Day will be in with a look at our long-term weather. We'll be back on the Working Ranch Radio Show after this. Looking for the perfect gift for a gardener or weather enthusiast? Introducing the Tropo, a precision rain gauge that has revolutionized both reliability and convenience. Expertly engineered by meteorologists, the Tropo gauge boasts rugged durability, impeccable accuracy, and precision to the hundredth of an inch. Visit MeasureRain.com to order a Tropo today and use code RAINDAY, that's R-A-I-N-D-A-Y, for free shipping and 10% off. Go to Measure Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'd said at the last two previous shows, I want to mention it again. If you want a great idea for a Christmas gift for someone, why don't you give them a subscription to Working Ranch Magazine? It's pretty easy. If you enjoy the articles and the information that every issue is jam-packed full of, well, you can do it pretty simple yourself by going to workingranchmag.com and start your subscription for somebody and offer it to them as a gift. They'll think of you every time a new issue shows up at their mailbox, and it's a great Great idea. Speaking of Working Ranch Magazine, the Captain Tim O'Byrne is standing by for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch Radio Land. Hope Fall Works is done and all the cows are looking good. Preg checks are excellent and uh, you got things all set up to go here. You can take a break, maybe come down to Vegas for NFR. We're going to Go out there and see if we can uh, get to one of those cowboy Christmases, me and Christine. We got something special coming up here in an upcoming issue of Working Ranch Magazine. Our very own intern, Gentry Sims, we asked her to put together a list of what she would consider to be really important 
ag-related scholarships that you young folks can chase down. Now, I, my impression is that there are quite a few really good scholarships out there. And for some odd reason, very few applicants are not going after them. Now, I want you folks to be looking for this. Gentry's going to do a great job of it. And uh, I'm kind of interested to see what's going on out there, too. The money's out there. You young kids, go and get it and get educated, get back to the ranch and take over from us old folks. Justin, back to you. All right, thanks, Captain. And yeah, just one more reason why you might want to get your subscription to Working Ranch Magazine is to see what that list that Gentry comes up with here in the upcoming issue of Working Ranch Magazine. Well, it's time now to turn and check in with meteorologist Don Day as we take a look at our long-term weather. And Don, we know there's some low pressure building up off the coast of Alaska and off Canada, but at the same time, what is that really going to develop? And that's kind of where you're seeing things. Yeah, uh, one thing that we definitely saw develop over that Thanksgiving period was a transition into a winter pattern. And when I say a winter pattern, it's when the northern branch of the jet stream just takes over and it starts to really guide and direct into the last days of fall and into a winter pattern. So we're basically watching a winter pattern evolve across the northern hemisphere. And in the past week, there has been some cold and up and down weather. It's been really cold in Europe. In fact, there was some record-breaking cold set over the past week in parts of northern Europe, and we're seeing other areas of cold building up in the higher latitudes. But we also have a really strong and very active jet stream across the North Pacific. And when you have a fast flow of air that goes west to east across the Pacific, you always have a chance of what we would call flooding the zone, Mm -hmm. flooding the, the lower 48 states and parts of Canada with relatively mild air because of those strong jet stream winds. But we also see a lot of cold air building in the northern latitudes. And what ends up happening or what could end up happening is we could have, I call it weather whiplash. Mm -hmm. Uh, We could have bouts of this Pacific air in the month of December come across the U.S. giving us those mild days that you're asking for. But when the jet stream in the Pacific buckles or weakens, well, that cold air out of Canada can, can track south. And we can have a lot of ups and downs, and that's kind of what we're seeing. So we, when we have kind of two competing forces, that fast, mild Pacific jet stream, but also the cold air building up in those northern latitudes that, when given the opportunity, the head south will. Mm-hmm. Now, as we look at things so far, I've been kind of surprised or, or and happy to see some pretty decent moisture in the southern plains here in the past. And I don't I know we talk long term weather here, but at the same time, I was kind of happy to see what they've been getting down there. Uh, yeah, in fact, and we're going to see that continue. In fact, uh, we have seen some pretty big improvements in the drought monitor over the last three weeks over a large part of central and eastern Texas. Uh, central and eastern areas of Oklahoma and Kansas and the southeast and the Gulf Coast has been quite wet. And you know what? They're going to continue to be wet. That is one of the strongest El Nino signals Mm -hmm. is for the southern plains in the southeast United States to be wetter than average. And that's what we saw here during the, the last half of November and now here into early December. So I continue to expect that those southern areas And, you know, we could throw in New Mexico and Arizona into this in the coming weeks as well, have some better opportunities. So those southern areas, that's one area we're confident in 
and getting more precipitation. All right. And so when we look at maybe the northern Corn Belt area, they're kind of in a similar pattern. Maybe what I'm in here is I just sit east of the Continental Divide. We've had a little bit, but not much weather. I kind of start seeing the same thing for them. Yeah. So another signal in El Nino is that for the, the northern plains of the U.S. and the southern plains of Canada can end up with with a, let's say, a more mild winter regime. Um, now, that is kind of what we see going into the month of December, where it doesn't mean it's going to be really warm. But relative to the 30-year averages that we talk about all the time, maybe somewhat protected. And, and the reason for that is those strong Pacific jet stream winds in that battle with the Canadian air means that when Canada does decide to send cold air south, those Pacific jet stream winds take over, push it back out. Mm-hmm. So you don't have those prolonged stretches, long stretches of severe cold that you can sometimes get between December and February. Yeah. Um, and at least that's what we're seeing here for the start of December with it. The Northern Plains, Northern Rockies, Southern Canada, maybe being a little bit more mild. Okay. Don, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thanks for having me. You bet. And again, meteorologist Don Day can be found each and every morning through his daily video podcast at dayweather.com. Also, if you're looking for weather instruments, uh, rain gauges, and things of that nature, you can go to his website there and see what he has in, in his online store. Stay with us when we come back. We'll put a wrap on this week's show when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Coming up next week, Dr. Chris Reinhart will be one of our guests as we talk cattle nutrition, more specifically the value of a mineral program and those trace minerals in the diet of that cow, not only as she rebuilds and gets ready for calving this spring, but also that what she can pass on to the health of that next calf. Some of those next calves will be the future of your cattle herd. That's coming up on next week's edition. Well, the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America ranchers you want to get a hold of me my email address is justin.workingranch at gmail.com i'm justin mills and until next time keep your chin down and your mind in the middle so long